0: I think back to those long ago early mornings when my wife and I would try to lever each other off the edge of the bed in the tacit understanding that the first person to hit the floor would be obliged to go and tend a crying infant. You couldn't call it teamwork exactly, but since we were both equally determined not to be the one to get up, it was broadly fair. Later, I came to realize that the only real help one parent can give another is an offer to take the child, or the children, a considerable distance away for an agreed period of time. Have fun, my wife would say, shutting the door on us. Don't come back early. I should really use a separate word to signify the kind of parenting I do when my wife isn't around to share in the joy of it. For lack of a better term, let's call it fathering. These intervals tend to differ in tone and style from co-parenting and often end with me listing things we needn't tell mum about. I don't mean for it to undermine the parenting best practice we've agreed upon as a couple, but I won't pretend that fathering isn't characterized by a certain drift from established methods. I just do whatever works, even after it stops working. On a typical Saturday, I find myself at a loose end in London with my three children and my friend Mark, who is visiting from America. My wife, meanwhile, is working in her bookshop all day. We have already dropped by for a visit, and we have already been asked to leave. I've made no further plans. Our options are subsequently curtailed by rain. The children are hungry. Hungry children can be cranky and short-tempered, but in my experience they are also listless and biddable, and this is how I like it. If you keep promising them food, they will keep walking. They might complain, but they lack the energy for real rebellion. So I'm strolling through the pouring rain with three slope-shouldered boys moaning and dragging their heels behind me. This, I think, is about as good as it gets. Eventually, when I feel we've used up enough afternoon, we stop at a noodle bar for a late lunch. The children spot iced tea on the menu. To them, iced tea is an exotic American treat, like powdered pink lemonade or bubblegum-flavoured jelly beans. To me, an American, it is tea with some ice in it that costs four pounds. But I find myself in the mood to reward their patience. The food arrives, spirits lift, and we all chat volubly. A strange sense of fatherly competence begins to steal over me. Only later in life will I come to recognize this feeling as a bad omen. There is a lull after the plates have been cleared when the waiter seems to forget all about us. I'm trying to carry on a conversation with Mark, but the younger two, their blood sugar levels restored, have begun to poke each other with chopsticks as part of a game that is rapidly getting out of hand. I threaten to separate them. When they continue, I carry out my threat, deftly sliding them apart and sitting down on the bench between them. As soon as I resume the conversation, they start poking each other behind my back. Then they start poking me. When I turn to remonstrate with the youngest one, the oldest one leans across the table and sticks the point of a chopstick in my ear. This, I decide, is a step too far. I accept that there must be something inherently amusing about my sense of humor deserting me. I don't know why this is. No one laughs when my wife has a sense of humor failure, sometimes not for the rest of the week. But the children are hysterical, giggling maniacally and poking me over and over again with chopsticks, in the ribs, in the arms, in the side of my head. I am hissing for them to stop and doing my most threatening eyebrows. More than once I try to restore order by saying, okay, I'm serious now. But this only makes them laugh louder and poke harder. If I'm quick enough, I can snatch a chopstick away. After a few minutes, I have a big handful. But this is a noodle bar. There are lots of chopsticks lying around. At one point, the youngest child actually goes to the counter to ask for more. Before long, I have completely lost control of the situation. Everywhere I look, I catch the eye of someone staring at me with either pity or scorn, or some sieved mixture of the two. None of them is our waiter. My debit card has been sitting on the little dish for 15 minutes and still he hasn't appeared. I look at Mark, who is also looking at me with pity and scorn and clearly wishing he was doing it from farther away. I shrug my shoulders at him wearily and then recoil as the point of a chopstick stabs into my neck. It's because you gave them iced tea, he says. When you have young children in London, most weekends break down into a basic binary choice. Science museum, or dinosaurs. Because the Science Museum is right next to the Natural History Museum, it's an argument that can continue for your entire journey there. The choice never mattered to me, because I came to hate both places.